everyone, and welcome back to the Dead Letters Podcast. I am your host, VP Morris. Before we start the show today, I wanted to let you know about a special episode that will be coming out soon. Brian over at I Have So Many Questions podcast had me on as a guest recently, and he allowed me to use the audio in my feed so you guys will get a notification as soon as that episode is available. It should be out soon, but I don't have an exact date for that just yet. As always, you can support the show on PayPal by following on social media at Dead Letters Pod and spreading the word about the Dead Letters so we can get more listeners and keep the show going. And as a follow-up to what I said last week about the stats, we were able to crush the goal of over 1,000 downloads. I am super grateful to all of you for listening and making it possible. I didn't expect to get 1,000 in under a month of it being released, so I'm really stoked that all of you are tuning in and enjoying it. Now for the recap. Last episode, Fiona was put in harm's way as Grace attempted to take her own life as well as Fiona's by drugging their wine with sleeping pills. Now we get to see if Fiona was able to make it out of such a horrible situation. Let's get into it. The Dead Letters Podcast. Episode 7, Can You Forgive Me? I woke up in bed, surrounded by white curtains. My mouth was cemented shut from dryness. At that moment, I would have given all the money in the world for a glass of water. My vision was still hazy, but I could hear a beeping sound and feel pressure on my finger. I forced myself up, and the beeping noise increased. It was coming from a small heart monitor that was clamped to my finger. It annoyed me, so I pulled it off. A screeching noise erupted from the machine next to me. A large woman dressed in bright blue scrubs threw back the curtain that surrounded my bed. A look of relief stretched across her face as she realized why the monitor was going off. Less than a minute later, a doctor with a five o'clock shadow and coffee breath leaned over me, shining a light into my pupils. Very good, Fiona. He smiled. We were afraid for a minute there that we were going to lose you. The only word I was able to croak out from my dry throat was water. He nodded, and a nurse left and returned with a small paper cup. I knew it wasn't enough to satisfy my aching thirst, but it would have to do for now. The nurse pushed a button on my bed and lifted me to a seated position. She then raised the cold water to my lips, and I swear, to this day, drinking that first sip of water was one of the most pleasurable experiences of my life. How do you feel? Asked the doctor. A little tired and out of sorts, I said. My mind felt slow and sluggish, like I had a severe hangover. There are some people here who are really anxious to see you, he began. Do you feel up for visitors? Yes, I said. I didn't know who he could be referring to, but I wanted to see someone who wasn't hospital staff. Moments later, the nurse in blue opened the curtain again to reveal my parents and my brothers, Pete and Jacob. My mom's face was red and swollen from crying. My dad looked pale and angry. The lines on my brother's faces were deeper and more severe, as if they were decades older than me instead of just a few years. My mom flung her body down over me and hugged me tight. I could feel her fresh tears dotting my hospital gown. My baby, she moaned. I can't believe I almost lost my baby girl. You didn't almost lose me. I'm fine, I beamed at her. Temporary short-term memory loss is common, I heard the doctor mumble to my dad as he gave a quick nod of understanding. The doctor turned his attention back to me. Fiona, what's the last thing you remember? Um, my brain was foggy and I worked hard to pull a memory from it. Going to the library, I said. I remembered my books and laptops sprawled open on a large desk and rows of bookshelves behind me. And then, as if someone shoved a memory card into my brain, it all came flooding back. Morgan in her pink dress, Paul asking her about a ring, Grace's mother calling me, the candles, the wine, the pills. Grace, I screamed. Where is she? Did she survive? I thrashed in my bed and forced tears out of my dehydrated eyes. 
Don't worry about Grace right now. The doctor came closer. We need to focus on you getting better. Anger brewed on my father's face. I can't believe that little bitch would- He started. Owen, my mother whispered. This is only going to upset her. She took him by the arm and pushed him away from my bed. We'll be back later, dear, she called to me. With my parents out of the way, Peter and Jacob came over to me. They looked like little clones of my father. Large build, broad shoulders, a wide face that got flushed when they felt any sort of emotion. Hey, kid, began Peter. You really scared the crap out of us. He reached down and stroked my puffy hair. I wasn't used to seeing my brothers be so nurturing towards me. Listen, we don't say it enough, and we're sorry for that, but we really do love you, sis. Sorry if we haven't been around as much as we should have been. We're so stupid. Such losers, said Peter. What do you mean, I asked. We're your big brothers. We're supposed to protect you. And we let some waif-looking girl almost kill you, he said, with sadness and hatred congealing in his expressions. How could you have known? You can't blame yourself for this, I said. Well, Pete and I are going to be better brothers, starting right now. What can we do? Just say the word. Well, what I really need right now is more water. A big glass, I said, feeling dryness creep back into my throat. On it, said Jacob, standing up straight like a soldier called to battle. Both of them rushed out, past the curtains in pursuit of water. After they left, I looked down to see a pair of men's shoes standing on the other side of the curtain near me. My mind went back to the last sound I heard before I woke up in the hospital. There was someone at the door. Could someone have come by to save me? It must have been Marco. I smiled at the thought. Of course it would be and he would be standing out there too shy to introduce himself to my family. Marco, I called out, you can come in. The curtain pulled to one side and Paul leaned in. Marco, he asked, his brow crumpled up like a used napkin. It's me. Oh, Paul, you came, I said. Yes, I was the one who found you and called it in, he said. Called it in? I asked, confused by the way he was describing saving my life. You know what I mean. He sat down next to my hip on the bed and lightly stroked my hand. I found you upstairs. Well, first I had to bust in Grace's door, and I found you and her passed out on the floor. You were barely breathing. Fear rippled through my body. Had I really come that close to death? I called an ambulance, and thankfully, they came fast and shipped you off here. It was real touch and go for a few days, he explained. Days, I asked? Yes, it's Wednesday morning. He raised his hand and brushed my cheek. Those pills she had put in your wine knocked you out for five days. Five days? It can't be. Everything felt hazy again. I called your parents. They came right down. We spent the last few days in the waiting room praying for you to make it through, he said. You stayed with me the whole time, I asked. Of course, you're my girl, he smiled. His face softened and he looked even younger and more innocent than he normally did. I want to spend forever with you, and I was afraid I wasn't going to have the chance. I smiled at him. You're the best, honey. Thank you so much for saving me. I lifted my head up and he met me halfway to kiss me. My curtain rustled, and there my two brothers stood, their arms full of water bottles from the vending machine. Hey, knock it off, said Peter. You're lucky you saved her life, buddy, or we'd kick your ass right now, said Jacob, popping at the notion of becoming the most protective brother in the world. Relax, guys, I said, taking one of the water bottles from Peter's grip. I have a feeling Paul is going to be around for a while, so you better make nice. All right, sighed Jacob. The doctor came back and opened his mouth to say something, but stopped himself when he saw the amount of water bottles my brother had brought. Hey now, easy on the water, Fiona. We don't want to overload your system. Take little sips. I nodded. If you're feeling up for it, there are two officers who'd like to speak with you. Officers? Like police officers? Jacob asked. He looked nervous. Yes, they want to hear from Fiona what exactly happened that night. 
Let's uh, give them some room, said Peter, and the three men rushed away from my bedside. Two officers came into my curtained-off area. They were not in blue uniforms, as I expected, but in suits with large tan overcoats that had a badge pinned to the outside. The two men asked for my account of what happened that night. I told them about the call from Miriam, that Grace wasn't at her parents' house like I had thought. I described how sick and emaciated Grace looked as she tampered with the door behind me. I told them about the room filled with candles and how she gave me wine and we talked about our high school days. I explained that things took a turn for the morbid as she hinted more and more about wanting to die and taking me with her. After I finished and they had closed their notebooks, I asked, is Grace going to jail? They each gave each other a knowing glance. Because I don't want her to, I continued. She needs help, lots of help, not prison. Don't send her there, please, I begged. I imagined my poor friend with her underweight body and mind full of poisonous thoughts being locked away in some cold cell for the rest of her life. We can discuss Grace later, one of the officers said, before he thanked me for my time and left. I learned I had to spend one more night in the hospital so they could observe me. It was a long and painful wait with nothing to do. When night came and my parents went back to their hotel room, I fell into an unrestful sleep. In my dreams, I was running through the hospital, opening doors, pushing back curtains, and lifting up sheets in hospital beds as I called Grace's name. Every room was dark, every bed was empty. A bright white light beamed out from under a door, the only place I had left to check. I turned the handle, and it clicked open. It wasn't a room. It was a huge beam of light that had no floor, ceiling, or walls. Two figures materialized. The first one was Grace. She looked like she was 15 again. Her face was plumper, her body less scrawny, her skin glowed with life. She reached out to touch me, but her arm passed right through my body. She mouthed the words, I'm sorry, to me. Behind her, there was another figure. She was wearing a light blue dress that was tight and corseted at the waist, but flared out into layers of ruffles around her body. She had soft brunette hair that was tied back, but with loose strands falling around her shoulders. She put her hand on Grace and stared at me. It was Charlotte. I knew it was. I gazed into her eyes as they glowed and swirled like an ethereal hurricane. A calmness fell over me. Charlotte was telling me something with her thoughts. She was saying, Grace was going to be alright. She wasn't going to be alone in the afterlife, after all. Charlotte would be there to take care of her. I grinned at the two of them, but they started to fade. Grace reached out again and called to me, but no sound came from her mouth. I could read her lips as she posed the question, Can you forgive me? Yes, I told her, as the two women were swallowed up by the bright light of the room. I was overcome with happiness and sadness all at once as I watched them disappear. Fiona, a voice called from behind. The light was gone, and my vision went black for a moment. What are you doing? The voice asked again. I blinked my eyes and found myself staring at a broom. Two brooms, exactly, and an empty bucket for mopping. Someone touched me and I jumped back. It was the doctor. I realized I was standing in the hospital hallway, staring into the janitor's closet. Worst of all, my hospital gown had fallen open and my bare behind was on full display. The doctor quickly tied the strings on the back of the gown while my face flushed with embarrassment. He took me by the arm and led me down the hall, back into my bed. I guess those meds are still messing with you after all, he said. What do you mean, I asked. The medication you ingested can cause sleepwalking and other mental disturbances. It may take a few more days for the effects to leave your body, he explained while scribbling some notes in my chart. But I saw Grace. And I wasn't sleepwalking, I announced. She was there. What's that? He said, looking up at me. Grace, my friend. She was just there, down the hall. I saw her. She tried to talk to me and... I didn't know how to explain what I had seen. The doctor's face grew cloudy. 
I'm sorry, Fiona, but that's an impossibility. No, it's not. It can't be. She was right there, I protested. You're right that your friend was here in this hospital, but she passed away within hours of arriving, he explained. I said nothing and stared at him with wide eyes. I'm sorry. Your parents told me not to tell you until the morning, but since it's almost 5am and my shift will be over soon, I figured you should know now. I wasn't seeing things, I snapped. I saw Charlotte and Grace. The doctor was growing tired of my ranting. You had a major trauma, and the drugs you were given were extremely powerful. All of these things can mess with your mind. It's perfectly normal. I'm leaving a trauma therapist's contact information for you on your discharge paperwork. I highly recommend that you see someone. I promise, in time, you'll recover from this," he said. He wanted to come off as compassionate, but all I could see was the look of pity on his face. I nodded. There was no convincing him of what I had seen. He left me there alone in bed, while I waited for the sun to come up all while replaying the image of Charlotte and Grace in my mind. The Dead Letters Podcast is written and produced by me, VP Morris. If you enjoyed today's episode, please help support the show by leaving a five-star review. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.